Hi, everyone. I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth. And this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is Nick Green, co-founder and CEO of Thrive Market, a membership-based online platform that makes healthy living easy and accessible to all. Since launching in 2014, Thrive Market has grown to over a million paying members and became a touchstone example of a mission-driven company at scale. In addition to offering the world's best natural and organic products at affordable prices to its members, for every paid membership, the company donates a free year of membership to a family in need. The business has also been recognized as a leader in regenerative agriculture, carbon-neutral shipping, zero-waste operations, and in 2020 became the nation's largest grocer to receive B Corp certification, as well as a certified great place to work. In this episode, we chat about Nick's journey starting Thrive, which was inspired by his upbringing. Nick shares all about his mission and passion for making healthy food more accessible, what makes Thrive unique and personalized, and what trends he is seeing on Thrive Market. We chat about our mutual love for all things wellness, like wearables, continuous glucose monitors, and the importance of sleep. I had so much fun chatting with Nick about his entrepreneurial journey, and it just reminded me how important it is to have passion for what you do. Keep listening to learn more. Oh, and we have a special discount for our community, Go to thrivemarket.com backslash live purely podcast to get 30% off your first order and a free gift. Happy shopping. I'm so excited to share with you our newest product line, Purely Elizabeth Superfood Cereal with Vitamin D. We just launched two insanely delicious varieties exclusive at Whole Foods Market, Vanilla Blueberry Almond and Honey Peanut Butter. Our new cereals are unlike anything in the market. Each box is full of the good stuff. Deliciously crispy oat and ancient grain flakes and crunchy superfood clusters with organic oats, quinoa, and chia. Intentionally crafted with whole food ingredients to deliver both taste and nutrition. Our cereals are made with organic plant-based vitamin D3 to provide an excellent source of vitamin D in every serving. They're sweetened with sustainably sourced coconut sugar and provide five grams of protein and an excellent source of fiber in every serving to start your day off right. Plus, they're certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Trust me, this is going to be your new favorite breakfast or late night snack that tastes absolutely delicious in milk and actually stays crunchy. The mix of flavors and textures leave you feeling satisfied and full. So head on over to your local Whole Foods Market and stock up on our new superfood cereals. You'll thank me later. Enjoy. Nick, welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you on and to meet you. I and I'm sure our community are such big fans of Thrive and everything that you guys stand for and offer. I'm just so excited for this conversation today. Thanks for having me. So we definitely need to start with your founding story and your own you know, wellness journey that initially inspired you to start Thrive. Take us back to the beginning. Well, I can take you way back because <laughs> the real beginning is is in my own childhood. Um, so, you know, our mission at Thrive is to make healthy, sustainable living, easy, affordable, accessible to anybody. And, you know, the genesis really was my own childhood growing up middle class in the Midwest 
uh, with a mom who worked really hard to make healthy decisions against a backdrop that was pretty challenging. Um, you know, I was trying to shop on a budget. It was, you know, living in an area where there wasn't, you know, a health food store down the street. And it was also at a time and, you know, for my mom, at just an education level where she was having to really learn all of this stuff on her own, uh, very self-directed. She really focused in on sugar as the bad guy, which I think is in retrospect, a pretty good place to start. And, you know, set a template for our family that helped to break really a generational cycle uh, of poor health habits. So she grew up in a large Mexican-American family in the 50s and 60s. And basically, you know, everybody ended up with some combination of type 2 diabetes, obesity, hypertension, other sorts of issues. And, you know, there was always this like, kind of, uh, I guess, refrain in our family that like, we have a genetic predisposition, which, you know, may have been true, but there was also a major lifestyle component. And I think my mom sort of intuited that uh, at the time and, and set a different course for our family. And I remember as a kid, we were like that weird <laughs> house on the block that didn't have any sugared cereal and no soda and all that stuff. And where do you uh, think I, she was inspired from to, to get on this path? You know, I don't know. It's it's to to, to to this day, I haven't asked her that question and I probably should. Is that part of the podcast? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's so yeah. incredible to think, you know, a, a woman in the 80s who didn't graduate from college, you know, grew up where like health wasn't something people talked about, but she just like, you know, I think saw the power in her own life. Like she had had developed really healthy practices and, you know, was not overweight and didn't end up with diabetes and, and wanted that for her kids. So, you know, I hated it, to be honest, as a child, because that was not the lifestyle that most of the families in our area were living. But I look back and, you know, myself and my, my two siblings, you know, we're healthy today. We are now, the two of us are our parents and like able to pass that gift along to our children and, you know, been able to just see the, the change in trajectory, not just in terms of our physical health, but like all the things that physical health is foundational for, right? Like you, it is very hard to focus on your education, on your career, on anything else if you aren't healthy. So, you know, basically that was the, that was the genesis. I didn't know that I would become an entrepreneur. I certainly didn't have any idea that I would start a company focused on, on health, but, you know, fast forward 20 some years and in 2014, I had become an entrepreneur. I started and sold an education company when I was in college. Different story, but that was actually inspired by my mom too. Her two passions were health and education. Oh, I love it. You know, she's going to make sure that her kids are healthy and that they, and they go to college. So I started a company in education. I, I sold that. And in 2014, uh, I met my co-founder, Gunnar, and he was actually pitching me on an idea that at the time he was calling ShopDribe. The original vision was to create basically Groupon for healthy food and a bunch of things that didn't ultimately work on that business model. But the, the, but the, the mission was already, let's make healthy and sustainable living affordable to anybody. And the mechanism was going to be group buying. The mechanism we ultimately landed on was this membership model. But the mission has been the same since day one. And I remember in that meeting, you know, he started pitching me. And by the end of the meeting, I was pitching him doing it together because I was just so inspired by that, by that vision. So, you know, there's a, a lot of um, twists and turns since then that we can get into if you want, but that was basically the original uh, kind of starting point. 
I love that. Uh, my mom certainly played a big role for me in, in starting Purely Elizabeth. So it's awesome to hear that she was such an inspiration for your wellness journey as well. So did you and Gunnar meet as a business relationship or you just kind of stumbled upon each other? Was that serendipitous? Yeah, like I said, he pitched me as an investor. Okay. So, you know, just one of, the, one of the things you hear all the time is like, you don't want to meet someone first as a co-founder, right? They're yeah. like, it's better to know each other personally. And that was definitely not the case for us. Like literally the first time we met was talking about Shop Tribe. I, I describe it as like entrepreneurial love at first sight in a way. Like uh, he and I have very different backgrounds, different experiences, uh, different styles and skill sets as entrepreneurs, but simultaneously very complementary. And the thing that we had in common actually was like both having this like interesting health journey where our moms were like the central figure, you know, in his case, he actually grew up on a communal farm in Ojai, California. And so his mom was a single mom. She remarried the founder of this commune and it totally changed the health trajectory of his family. And they were doing basically group buying of natural and organic food and also growing their own food back in the 70s and 80s. Couldn't have been more different than like suburban Minnesota. <laughs> uh, and uh, and yet like that, you know, created for him always this thought of like, how could I bring the commune to the masses? And so his his vision for for Shop Tribe and what ultimately became Thrive Market was that. And like I said, it was like we hit kind of hit it off right off the bat in terms of that shared, shared mission, and then saw this complementarity. We later brought in our third co-founder, Sasha, who's our CTO. And, you know, equally unique and, and complementary background. And, you know, none of us knew each other before the business, but, you know, miraculously, we, we all not only work together really well, but have become really close friends. That's amazing. So many times I, I feel like so many businesses have this meant to be moment. And it certainly sounds like that was it for you guys. So in the beginning, so this is 2014 and, and thinking about the landscape then, um, you know, we launched in 2009. So just trying to think of, you know, where the business was in 2014. There were very few online. I mean, Abe's Market was one of the only, I think, natural storefronts online. And then you guys really came to market. I'm curious to hear, because I also know, you know, you've had some incredible investors in the health and wellness space who's really helped to bring the Thrive message to to the community. I'm curious to hear, you know, what it was like at the beginning as far as the reception from both community, from investors, and really how that like brought the launch into the foreground. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, like you said, there wasn't much out there and there certainly wasn't anything out there at an accessible price point. And that's the case both that was online for sure there was nothing, but also offline, right? Like this was a, a world where Whole Foods was still kind of the only game in town that was remotely national in terms of footprint and focus on healthy, organic, non-GMO, et cetera. By nature of their brick and mortar footprint, they were not within driving distance of over half of American families. And by nature of their business model and kind of the stage of the market at that time, their price point was just not accessible to you know call it 95% of people. And that was basically the case too for any places that you were going to go online to try to find, find these kinds of products. So, you know, as we talk to influencers and thought leaders and people who, you know, are basically helping families and moms and individuals that, that sort of like my mom get, get healthier, 
they were super excited. Like literally from day one, it was like we would have these meetings and it was just, it was a love fest. Like they got it. They were so enthused by the vision and so eager to support us in any way that they could. And initially those conversations were all just around like, how can we do marketing partnerships, content partnerships, affiliate relationships? But they eventually changed. And the reason the conversations changed was because on the other hand, we were also trying to pitch investors and it was almost like the opposite reception, right? We were like pitching basically middle-aged men in New York, San Francisco, and LA who weren't experiencing the problem firsthand. In many cases, weren't doing their own grocery shopping at all. And it just didn't resonate, you know? And I think this is a huge problem in tech in general that, you know, tech, a lot of companies end up basically solving problems that, you know, are problems for the types of people that are starting the companies. And there aren't a lot of entrepreneurs that are, you know, coming from, well, historically have not been as many entrepreneurs coming from different backgrounds, solving problems for a more mainstream consumer. And for us, that was the whole opportunity is like, let's make healthy and sustainable living accessible to anybody. The first barrier we wanted to break down was affordability. There was a huge amount of skepticism from the VCs that we could even build a business model that would that would achieve that. And in a way, those conversations were valuable because they forced us to really hone the model. Like that's where we pulled, we moved off of the Groupon model. We introduced this idea of membership. You know, membership is the cornerstone of our business in that it gives us the margin to then offer the products at a really reduced rate. It also allows us to fund for every paid membership on the site, a free membership for a low-income family. So make it even more accessible to those who really need it. So, you know, in a way it was a good forcing function, but it was also like pretty devastating to be honest, to just be rejected by every single VC. Long story short, we ended up going back to the influencers and saying, you know, do you want to give us money, basically? And, uh, you know, there was that hold your breath moment, but essentially one after the other, they all said yes. And so we sort of brought together this coalition of the willing, you know, many of whom were like first-time angel investors writing $15,000, $25,000, $50,000 checks. And we cobbled together a few million dollars that way. And had they not done that, the business would have failed before we even started. Because they did that, we were able to actually have a lot more freedom to bake the mission into the business than had we brought, you know, brought in VCs from day one. And then we, of course, also created this influencer army of, you know, really powerful thought leaders, uh, voices, uh, and it was essentially the marketing engine for the business uh, during the first six to nine months. Ultimately, it was a, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to us, despite being really challenging at the time. And, you know, fast forward a year in, we were growing so fast that all those VCs that rejected us at the seed round came back and at like uh, 20 times the valuation, we're like ready to write a check. So it was a very, uh, it was a really crazy ride. And, you know, you talked about those like moments that are meant to be your kind of like light bulb moments. Like we definitely had some of those early on, but, you know, for all the listeners out there, one thing I would underscore is there was also a lot of very dark days. And like I said, twists and turns where, we were just really fortunate to, you know, meet the right people at the right time and stumble into, you know, relationships and supporters that were able to get us through because it was definitely not easy to get out the ground. And to your very first point, there just wasn't any precedent for building this kind of business online at scale, selling these products at a price point that was actually affordable and accessible. Such a good story. And I think such a good lesson on 
pivoting and listening to what's happening. I think so many, you know, for me, it was like I started out selling a muffin mix or I started out selling my nutrition counseling and then was selling muffins by people thinking that's what I was selling. So it's so important to listen to that, what's happening and know those ups and downs are going to lead you to the place that you're meant to be. And I think in your story, particularly, you know, you mentioned being able to really emphasize your mission. And I I think that was probably such a huge part of the success initially learning for you guys of really standing for something beyond just we're providing these natural products. I mean, it was your mission that I think people really attached to and, you know, felt that connection to. So I'd love to kind of dive into a little bit on on some of the mission side and I know sustainability and regenerative ag now is a big part community, kind of all those things that, you know, you're not just selling products, but you guys are really trying to do a lot more than that. Yeah. I mean, the mission is why we started the business. Like I said, we, we believe that healthy, sustainable living should be affordable, should be accessible. It should just be available to everybody. And that it's, it's crazy that, you know, simple, healthy, natural products that, you know, our grandparents and great grandparents and people have always consumed are now you know less available, uh, less affordable than like really complex engineered, like loaded with chemical products that have been you know like explicitly subsidized and then you know really you know pushed on people through a lot of marketing over the last you know fifty to seventy years. So you know I don't think it's a, a revolutionary concept to say today that the food system is 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 broken, and it it's been broken. It's it's really let down people in terms of health. Like again, I can look at my own family as an example of that. Where you know I look at cousins and aunts and uncles and just the you know the not only the the healthcare toll to deal with the different health issues they've had, but the way that that impacts people's lives, even outside of their physical health in terms of their ability to get an education, their ability to pursue the careers that they want, their ability to be there for their families. The scale of the problem is enormous. And the statistics obviously can give you the numbers on like, wow, type two diabetes didn't exist a hundred years ago. Now there's, you know, you have tens of millions of people that are dealing with this issue, but it doesn't capture the human side of that. And so for us, having come from both myself and our Sasha and many of our early employees having that personal experience, like the mission was at the core of who we are, why we're doing this and just like what got us going. The other thing that, you know, for us, I think has been, has made the mission such an asset is that it also happens to be the business opportunity. We always say that our mission and our business opportunity are two sides of the same coin. And, you know, in order for a mission to really work over the long term, that has to be the case. I think there are a lot of businesses that have a, you know, a mission on the side or like kind of a bolt-on mission that's in tension with the business in some way, where it's like, you know, the it 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 is a cost center for the business. And then you're always having to make decisions and trade-offs between the two. And for us, you know, if we make healthy and sustainable living affordable to everybody, like that is the way our business gets big. Right. If we can figure out how to make it affordable, that's good for our business. It's also good for our members. And that's been a major, major kind of boon for us. The other thing, you know, you mentioned that the influencers early on, you know, got on board because they saw the mission. That's totally been the case. And that's like also been the case for our members. And so we now see our mission as really the other side of our kind of the the brand, right? Where 
the reason to believe and thrive beyond just the savings that we deliver, beyond just having great products, is the fact that you are part of a community that's out there doing good in the world and that together we're having impact. We, from day one, have been carbon neutral in our shipping, for example. In 2017, we went zero waste across all of our fulfillment centers. And we've looked for creative ways to do those in a, th- those kinds of projects in a affordable and economical way. But we've also seen that we get economic benefit from our members in terms of loyalty and renewal rates and word of mouth. And so, you know, we really see the mission as part of our whole like growth flywheel where we can build this community, do the things we believe in for the right reason, just because they're the right things to do. But then we can also get all these benefits as a business when people see that. You know, our hope over time is that we can also be an example for other businesses where they can say, all right, the mission doesn't have to just be a bolt on. It doesn't have to be in tension with the, with the, the you know, profitability goals or growth goals. Um, and particularly in a consumer-oriented business, I think businesses can start to realize that consumers are becoming a lot more conscious, right? And there is a huge opportunity to drive you know, more growth, stronger loyalty, and just build a better business that you know doesn't just serve all your stakeholders better, which is you know a mission-oriented side, but actually does do better for your shareholders too. And I think it's been really cool over the last few years for us to see, for example, the skepticism around the mission from investors early on to now, like you know, our board was fully supportive of us becoming a B Corp. We spend time in our board meetings giving updates on the mission in addition to the business. And it's just really heartening to see as, as a mission-oriented entrepreneur. And I think it's going to become more and more the way the business has to get done because consumers are demanding it. Yeah, absolutely. It's I, I think it's an incredible thing as a business owner to be able to set up your business in the way of like, I want to do the best thing possible that's going to be for the business and for the people that I can be responsible for and like make that impact. And and to be able to make that decision is something that's so truly special. Exactly. And I think one thing that's been cool for us, we did so so much of our initial work on the mission was just motivated by what we knew was the right thing to do. Like if we're going to ship product around the country, like we can't be, you know, doing it via air with 10x the carbon footprint, right? If we're going to have this fulfillment center that can, you know, with if you're not careful, generate a huge amount of waste, like that doesn't work for us. But over time, and, and like, frankly, we did some of those things, even when our members didn't really understand or care about them. So like in 2014, 2015, carbon neutral. People weren't talking about it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a big thing. What's been super interesting over the last seven or eight years is now our members actually are kind of the ones that challenge us. You know, we're on an area like regenerative. That's something that we were interested in, but it was, you know, it was slow going for a while. And then we started having members asking us about, you know, do you have any regenerative organic products? Like, how do you, like on the ones that you have, how do you define the standards? And you could tell members, consumers are getting educated on this topic and starting to care more about it. And it's been really exciting, you know, for us to see the way that we can, in our supply chains, up-level qualities like regenerative agriculture or direct trade. We're really doing good for you know, sourcing and, and, and communities that are the producers of, of, of raw products, working with farmers collectives, farmers collaboratives. And like our members consume that content and it becomes a reason to buy the product. And so, you know, there's now, like I said, like this feedback loop where the members really give us credit for doing the work 
And because we're online, we can tell the story of that work in a way that you can't unpack. And then, you know, for our brand partners, we can also tell that story for them, right? So there's like the work that we do with the Thrive Market brand, which, you know, we have 700 Thrive Market SKUs on site and we're going all over the world to source those products. But there's also amazing brands like a Purely Elizabeth that are doing all this stuff that if you just bought the brand at the grocery store, you might not realize. And we can tell that story and connect our members with 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 brands that are really uh, innovating for good. Yeah. Thank you for telling our story. And we just got off actually our, our Friday team call talking about our new initiatives for next year, which we're working on a regen project with coconut oil in uh, in our products. So super exciting to be able to support that. And, you know, it, it is an interesting thing because I think starting out when you're smaller, it's such a challenge to say, how can you go to your suppliers and demand certain things and ask? And so it is a challenge, but one of the great benefits of growing is now being able to have that leverage to actually make that greater impact and change. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a responsibility we feel as well. Like as we've gotten to scale, there's things that we can do that we just couldn't do. Right. You didn't have a, not to say you'd have a choice, but it's like, they're not going to listen or you're not going to make the impact to say, I'm going to buy 5,000 pounds of X. That's yeah. Or you just can't afford to it. Right. If that's right. like, yeah, we'll do that. But here's the price. Like the businesses, your business still has to work. And I think, I think one of the things that we feel an obligation or responsibility to do today is to go do those negotiations to like open the path up for smaller brands. And then also to work with our brands, you know, to move, like we have brands that are doing organic practices, but they have, they don't have the resources to get the organic certification, right. Or they're doing regenerative practices, but don't haven't, haven't gone down, down the path of like of formalizing. And, you know, we can use our infrastructure and our know-how to help them on that path. And in some cases, we can work with our brands to help them, like, even change their supply chain and say, oh, here's a direct train route where you can, you know, cut out some middlemen and really, you know, help serve communities in a better way. So that's been really, really fun for us. Um, And then on the, you know, on the sustainability side, like one of the things we just are starting to do now, I I describe it as an open sourcing uh, project. Where it's like, all right, we made all these investments in our business to make it carbon neutral, to go zero waste for a fulfillment center. Let's open source that to our brands to show them that it can be done. It can be done profitably. And we can also do it together. You know, we when we became a B Corp two years ago, it was a really neat experience to finally be part of a community where there's like a dialogue going on on these issues. And we feel like we have a similar community just on the Thrive platform where we can sit there and, and you know, facilitate conversation and progress across, you know, not just within our business, but across our whole brand portfolio to, you know, to move in these directions. I love that. That would be such a great thing for the Thrive brands to all get together and join in that community. So one of the things that as a shopper on Thrive is so great is how you can filter and search and do all of those amazing things to make shopping more effortless and really like custom to what you want. So I'd love to dive into a little bit about that. And then specifically, I'm sure you get amazing data then as what people are looking for and curious to hear, you know, what trends that you're seeing in food and supplements or anything that's popping on the site. Obviously, other than Purely Elizabeth, we know is number one. (laughs) Always, always. So yeah, I mean, the, the, I'll, I'll, I'll tie it to the mission first. So our mission is to make healthy and sustainable living easy, affordable, accessible to everybody. 
the first way thing that we focused on was affordability. And by having our annual membership fee, which corresponds to about $5 a month, our members are able to basically pay you know, significant discounts up to 30% off of what they would pay in retail for their favorite natural and organic brands. So, you know, a lot of our focus in the early years was how do we just continue to partner with our brands to deliver value and help our brands also access consumers they might not otherwise. You know, a lot of our brands historically have been in the health food retailers and they're not, you know, getting to middle-class middle America. You know, 50% of our member base is Midwest and Southeast. Average household income is under $100,000. And so, you know, we really focused there because we felt like that was the first barrier. But what we subsequently learned is that kind of regardless of whether you live near a health food retailer or not, regardless of whether you have the disposable income, getting healthy is hard just because it's really confusing and it can be really overwhelming. And for more and more people that are, that are either developing or discovering that they have various specific health issues it's really hard to know where to start and how to do it right. So if someone finds out they have celiac and now need to go gluten-free, that's actually one that's a little bit easier today. But like five years ago, people were yeah. like, what do I even do? So overwhelmed. You know, a couple of years ago, there was started to be all this evidence around what the keto diet could do from a weight loss standpoint, from a sort of metabolic reset uh, standpoint. And people wanted to do it, but they didn't know like, what is keto? keto? And, you know, if you're going to eat, a lot of fat that can be really good. It also can be really bad if you're eating uh, the wrong kinds of fat. So, you know, we have really invested over the last, let's say, four or five years as much as we do on affordability on trying to create the user experience. Again, using the fact that we're online and we can do things that you can't do in a brick and mortar environment to help people to one, find the best products, but then to find the right products for them personally. So on the best product side, you know, that starts with just having a hyper curated catalog, right? So we're not going to carry every single granola under the sun. We're going to find the best brand, right? The lead, like a leader, like purely Elizabeth and say, Hey, let's develop a deep relationship and like really be a place where new innovative SKUs will be launched and where we can simplify the process of finding the best item in every category. You know, I, I always mention almond butter because if you search for almond butter on, on Amazon, you'll find 40,000 results. <laughs> And it was like, well, what do I do with that as a consumer? But then, you know, beyond the curation side and the, the high quality standard side, which allows our members to kind of outsource their trust to us, it's like, you know, they don't have to think about whether something on Thrive is going to reach the kind of, call it the minimum bar of healthy. Like, for example, none of our food is GMO. Like, that's just the commitment we made. And we're the only retailer nationally that's done that. Uh, to say, all right, you can just trust on Thrive Market, you're not going to find GMOs in your food. But then I think what you're getting at is this question of like personalization. And that's a place where initially the way we invested in that, and it was with the filters. So it's like, all right, if you need to be gluten-free and your spouse has a dairy allergy and your kid has a nut allergy (laughs) and you're interested in keto, you know, we can make that process a lot easier by just click, 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 click versus when you go into a grocery store. But what we're doing increasingly now is, and you got at this as well, using the data from how people shop to basically hone a personalization engine for every member. So we, the, the way we call it, the project internally, we call My Isle. And the, the vision is every member should be able to walk into their Thrive Market grocery store and it should be like snapping your fingers 
and having a specific aisle that has all your things. So you don't have to walk the aisles. It's just like, this is my aisle. And you know that kind of motivating vision has then allowed us to iterate using a lot of data science uh, and tech and basically have an algorithm that you know is collecting thousands of data points from every member in terms of what they browse, what they buy, what filters they use, what search, what they search for, and coalescing that into uh, better personalization for each member. And then to your last point, you know, writ large, that data set gives us incredible insight into, you know, where the world is going and what people care about and what are the products that they're looking for on the site that they can't find. And what are the items where they want a different level of quality or, you know, have complaints and like that, that stuff, you know, trying to gather that data. If you're again in a brick and mortar environment, it's, it's basically impossible. And so we use that to, you know, for example, when we find areas that our members are looking for a product and can't find it, that informs our own brand strategy. Uh, it informs looking out for new brands that might be out there offering a certain, uh, certain area. It also informs the trends that we're going to lean into and, you know, the trends that we're going to spotlight in thematic sale events or in our content. So in terms of specific trends that we are seeing today, I'd say that you have, you know, there's always been like these arcs of diet trends. So whether it's paleo or Whole30 or keto, and it's very interesting to see those like ebb and flow. Yeah. Uh, you know, paleo was like huge when we launched. Now isn't so much. Keto basically wasn't even a thing when we launched. And I would say peaked in like call it 2018, 2019. And that was still really sizable, probably the biggest diet tribe, but not nearly. Do you see it coming paleo. down? We've seen it come down and then stabilize. Yeah. So it's sort of like it had its like fever pitch, I think, pre-pandemic. And then over the pandemic, there's actually, I think, been an ebbing a bit of like the whole diet craze in the first place. I think, you know, being home, people kind of seeing like fundamentally health threatened in a way that it hadn't been before, you know, changed the motivation from like, I want to look good and I, or I want to, you know, uh, do something very specific to, I just want to be generally healthy. And so we d still see like real interest on Whole30, for example, especially in, in, uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, but more and more, we're finding people that, you know, just want like generally healthy, healthy stuff. You know, they don't want to go vegan, but they want to be more plant-based, right? They're not necessarily looking for only grain-free, but they are shifting away from, you know, having a lot of carbohydrate in, in their diets. You know, they're not going- The more kind of balanced approach. It's more balanced. I think it's more balancing. You also have people more, more that are exploring different different diatribes and the easier we can make that the you know the more they will tend to explore i would say the biggest like kind of mega trends that we're we're following one actually would be plant-based though that space has gotten super saturated so it's just like Crazy. through the noise is really is really hard another that's pretty interesting is actually whole grain so like there's a little bit of a back like this like uh, backlash against grains for a long time. And there still are a lot of people that want to go grain-free, gluten-free, et cetera. But we're seeing more, actually more interest in, in grain products as like recognizing that it can be a, a stable and like really healthy part of a balanced diet. And then I would say a, a massive trend has just been the intersection between people's personal health and wanting to consume products that are also healthy for the planet. And that's where regenerative comes in and uh, and where I think just the overall like 
interested in whether it's plastic and packaging or carbon neutrality. Um, just like all these things that we've been passionate about for a long time, but didn't necessarily get pushed from, from members in, at the beginning, that stuff's become really front and center. And I think more and more people are just realizing that the, you know, the health of people and the health of planet go hand in hand. You, you can't really separate them. Absolutely. How about from a supplement standpoint, is that still, you know, certainly during COVID, everybody was taking supplements yeah. they probably had never taken before. Is that still um, at play or is that kind of died down? Vitamin D? Yeah, the vitamin D, kind of you know, vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, elderberry, all, all, all the stuff that spikes like insanely in the pandemic has definitely stayed elevated, though it's normalized to a degree. I think generally speaking on supplements, what we find is people like our members care a lot about quality and understanding like the sourcing of the supplements, the standards used in their manufacturing. One trend that we've seen continuously and has grown over time has been whole food ingredients. I think people have also moved like the form factor of supplements has has shifted. When we launched, there was, I think it was like more of a capsule world. Now you have like more interest in, and this has been probably for the last four or five years, but more in powders. One interesting, you know, maybe not like uh, gr- groundbreaking trend has been just like uh, single serve and that ability to have the little satchels. Another that we're, we're seeing and starting to play around with is actually personalization and supplements where people are really realizing what you need to supplement with depends on what you're eating in the rest of your diet and what your own unique needs are. And I think as people, you know, go to wearables and like do more uh, self-testing, um, there, there we go. Got them all. <laughs> I mean, Levels Levels is an amazing company. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. And then that's like that, you know, that informs what people are going to buy too in terms of the foods because you realize, hey, like this food spikes my blood sugar and it may not for someone else, right? So there's, I mean, there's this whole world opening up on personalization of, of health in general. But I think on the supplement side, there's an interesting you know, opportunity, we believe through a questionnaire initially, but then ideally through actual like testing, testing and data, give recommendations on like a specific supplement regimen. Um, I think that's super interesting. Yeah. I uh, companies out there that are like specializing on this. So it may not be something where we do the innovation ourselves, but it's, uh, yeah, I think that's like where supplementation is going to go over the next five years. For sure. I just had a call with a, you know, functional doctor who we were talking about like taking a multi and to me taking a multi in this day and age like makes no sense first of all the levels are typically below what you need if you're actually you know low in x y and z and so i think the idea of like actually just getting the vitamins and nutrients that your body needs you know is the way the future now that we'll have that knowledge to be more accessible and how do you make it more accessible i guess that's the other part of it well yeah i mean there's companies now that are you know with a urine test can basically tell you, uh, not on every on every uh, um, vitamin or mineral level, but on many of them, where you might be deficient. Um, so as these tests uh, improve on their accuracy, as they become more accessible, you know, more widespread, I think that's going to be a really, really interesting opportunity. For sure. So on the topic of personalization, would love to get into your own personal wellness journey world, and would love to hear a little bit about any sort of you, you laughed at, or not laugh at, you know, snickered at the levels and the aura rings. I love to hear kind of what wellness tools you use, what your morning routine is like, all of those good things. 
I mean, I just so I if if I snickered, it was unintentional. <laughs> only only in that it that I totally relate to it. Yeah. All that stuff. So I'm like huge fan of levels. I think what they that what that company is doing is going to be transformative in the software they're building and the the way that they can make that data accessible to people is just incredible. And I think, you know, they the continuous glucose monitor space is going to explode because this is something that historically you've only been able to get through prescription. People only get when they're already at a pathological level, kind of either diabetic or pre-diabetic. And the ability to have that information at your fingertips before you get to that place is just insanely powerful. Like it's impossible to overstate that. So, you know, if anyone out there has not done uh, a CGM, uh, do it for two weeks. It'll change the way you eat forever. So that's one I like a lot. I think another one for me that's personally very impactful is uh, sleep measurement. So I don't use the Aura Ring, though I've heard it's really awesome. Um, I use a Whoop. I don't use it every night, and I know a lot of people do and like to be able to know exactly how they slept. Yeah. I, for me, that's a little, it's a little too much. Like I can geek out it. I got geek out on it. I go down the rabbit hole, but it actually, like what I would notice is my HRV would go down the more I was spending time oh, obsessing about my HRV. <laughs> um, so I think- Well, the mind is very connected to it too. So that makes a lot of sense. Totally. Totally. So, but I use like for me, it was really helpful to get a baseline and just like understanding how you sleep. I think just the like the sheer insight of time in bed is not sleep time. Right. And the importance of deep sleep and RAM. I think like understanding uh, metrics like HRV, that's one that I have focused a lot on because mine is quite low. And it was like a very surprising thing to me because I don't see myself as someone that's stressed out. I see myself as someone that's very health conscious. And yet I have this like metric that is highly correlated with all cause mortality and is really important that I'm not strong on. So, you know, I think data can be really powerful in that sense. And, and it's a big part of my life to particularly measure sleep, to measure glucose. And then I do. What have you done as far as the stress and the sleep? What any tips that you have around that that's helped to make that your sleep better and and I, I guess your stress levels to. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've done a lot. So the the biggest obstacle I have on the sleep side is I work a lot and I have three kids under the age of five. So I had both. Neither of those things are very conducive to like consistent grade sleep, but I do wear earplugs when I sleep. I've done blackout shades. It was actually kind of a game changer uh, yeah. for me. Going to sleep at the same time every night, which I'm not like, I'm not a hundred percent at, but when I if I can do it, it really makes a difference. Including the weekends too. Every Including day. the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, important. and then I would say another one, which is when you said weekends, maybe think of it, uh, that's just like common sense, but very few people are disciplined about it. It's just like alcohol consumption, especially even in small, small quantities, if it's near when you go to sleep. I mean, like going back to HRV, it's just like catastrophic. And that's also one where it's very personalized. So I think some people metabolize alcohol very differently than others. I'm one that doesn't metabolize it particularly well or quickly. So that's a big one for me is not, not drinking very much and not drinking right before sleep or within a few hours of sleep. Another one for me is caffeine consumption uh, or lack thereof. So bringing, you know, throttling down the caffeine. And then I do a number of practices just around relaxation. So a few is our daily meditation. I do transcendental meditation. I don't do it for long. I, I do a mix of either uh, TM or waking up, 
which I find there's a, a, an app from Sam Harris that I think is really great and has just like quick daily 10 minute meditations. I also do heat, hot and cold exposure. So I've got a barrel sauna, super high heat, you know, activate heat shock proteins and just like really, I find it very just like, you know, cathartic and, and, um, and stress relieving. I actually do even more on the cold exposure side. And I started that with, uh, with cold showers in the morning. I don't do an, a full shower cold, but I'll go cold at the end. How long will you go cold for? Probably two to three minutes. And the, the ridiculous thing I add into that is I actually do air squat. This is like <laughs> too much information. Great. But if you, if you move while you're in the cold, it's actually really good for you. It's part of the reason why I like surfing, for example, in the oh, cold. Oh, interesting. It's awesome. And air squats are one of the best things you can do to just like get the blood flowing. And, you know, it's the biggest muscle groups here of your, of your body or in your, your legs and your glutes. So I actually have this question. So I, there's a new place here that just opened. It's actually called Reach Jordan. It's across the country, but it just opened here in Boulder and they have cryo and all that stuff. So I did cryo yesterday and they, they aim to get your body down 40 degrees in the two to three minutes. That's like the goal to have the most benefits. But I wondered if moving my body was going to like warm my body and therefore I couldn't go down 40 degrees in temperature. So it sounds like that's I don't, I don't know. And I don't know as much about cryo. I do know there's really good evidence though of exercise in under in cold. exposure. So whether it's in water or it's outdoors in the winter. The other thing that I do is the, is a cold plunge. So this is like a couple of years ago, I basically bought a chest freezer, you know, caulked the seams, filled it with water, put a Wi-Fi thermometer in there that I can control for my, for my phone. I don't like to go down into like the thirties, but I'll do mid forties and, you know, can sit in there for five, six, seven, as long as 10 minutes. Wow. And you get to a stage where you actually like, it feels good, especially if you do in the morning. So your, your, your body temperature changes during the course of the day, it comes down naturally at night. And so, uh, you actually can use, if you're like dealing with kind of acute sleep problems, if you do a cold plunge right before you go to bed or a cold shower right before you go to bed, it actually will be better than like, you know, people always do like a hot bath to relax. Your melatonin will spike more and your body temperature will drop more, obviously, from going, having cold exposure, which helps a lot for going to sleep. So that's one thing, but, it, but you, because your body temperature is already, your core temperature is already lower at night, you can't be exposed to cold for as long. So like, if I'm going in at 45 degrees, I might be able to do that for, you know, seven or eight minutes. If I'm in the morning or the early afternoon, it's only like, you know, four minutes if I go at night. Yeah, I'm, I'm rambling, but I have a lot a of, I, I do a lot of stuff and it's, and for me, I, it's like kind of a hobby, right? It's like, I, I, I want to be healthy, but I also just, I like enjoy the, the process of learning and, and testing and, and all of it. I feel totally the same way. It's so fun. And you just feel, just makes you feel great. Yeah. And you feel better. And there's, you know, similar, I think, to like some of these other areas where there's so much innovation happening. I think, you know, we are just beginning to understand human lifespan and the things that might be able to be possible from a longevity standpoint. We're just starting to understand like there's so much about like me these metabolic pathways and epigenetic interactions between the environment and, and, and one's genes that I think are going to be really powerful sources of insight. And to, and to your point earlier, like deeply personal because they are different for each person. And, you know, the only thing I would say, again, you know, back to my thing about the whoop, 
is there is a uh, there's a fine line, right, of this be, being interesting and exciting and like valuable to also then becoming overwhelming or a source of obsession. And so I always, I, you know, I'm, I tend towards the obsessive side in general. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and kind of a, a neurotic. So I'm always having to kind of also balance that and like pull myself back from going too deep down the rabbit hole. Well, we're going to wrap it up with some personalized rapid fire Q&A. Great. The best advice you've gotten in the past six months. Ooh. It's actually business advice and it's just been to stay focused. You know, the markets are crazy right now. You're hearing all this, like, there's so much noise out there and the world and polarization of the world is so loud. The ability to keep blinders on and focus on like a mission and our business has been the most important thing. And that's pretty much the, 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 the major refrain from our board, from advisors. And it's something I'm always reminding myself. It's a great one. A favorite book or a podcast or mentor for growth. Ooh, I read a lot of fiction and actually the, just back to your question about things for health, I find that to be along with meditation, one of the most impactful things if we're just like giving me perspective and giving me space in my head. So I've been on kind of a kick lately with uh, like late 19th century uh, fiction. Uh, I recently read The House of Mirth by Edith Wharton. So yeah, not, nothing like specifically tangibly relevant to anything in my life. But it just gets you out ray, ray, in a different direction. Totally fascinating in a totally different world. Love it. Couple of key items in your Thrive cart. Lots of tea. I'm a big, I'm a big tea and a like combined different tea bags at the same time. All herbal teas, but like I'm just like continuously experimenting with herbal tea. I love cacao nibs and I eat them like straight. This is like another eccentricity. Just like pour some cacao nibs in a little cup and I'll just munch on those during the course of the day. They're like filled with polyphenols, have the, you know, like- Highest antioxidant levels, right? I mean, extraordinary. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then also like a little bit of caffeine. So yeah, those would probably be my go-tos. And then we have a lot of cat food you know, ba baby pouches for the kids. And uh, you know, most of the card is for the rest of the family. Favorite words to live by? I never give up, as cliched as that, as that sounds. You know, I alluded to some of this in the early days of Thrive, but uh, one of our core values as a company is tenacity. And it's one of the things that I value most in myself. Uh, I don't get it right the first time or even the second time or third time every time but I'm really persistent. And I think that's been probably the thing that served me best in, in life. I feel happiest when? Uh, I'm with my kids. Favorite Thrive moment? <sighs> probably when we went live in November of 2014 and saw the orders start coming in and where those orders came in from. Like I still remember seeing the first hundred orders and it was like, you know, we were of course worried that it was gonna be LA, New York, San Francisco, and then totally, you know, not meet what we were trying to do from a mission standpoint. And to see, like I remember we had an order from Wyoming in those first, uh, you know, those first few days. Um, you know, in the first few months, I remember we had a woman who had her, her uh, order eaten by a bear on her doorstep. <laughs> to just give you a sense of like how out in the middle of nowhere she was. I think that sort of 
that first day and first like few months as we saw that we are really reaching people that that needed these these products and we're getting them before was was one of the most exciting moments. That's the best. And lastly, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Non-negotiable. I mean, I wish I could say it was sleep because when I get that right, I, 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 it makes all the difference. I think the thing that I'm best at and actually I'm pretty non-negotiable on is just is, is on diet. And I didn't talk about that before, but mine is I'm, I'm definitely less of the specific diet and more just like eat real food. Not too much, mostly green. That's what Michael Pollan says in Indefensive Food. And that's, yes. I read that book a dec more than a decade ago. And it's just served me so well to just give me, like, it keeps it simple. It's not stressful. And yet, you know, particularly as I have gotten a little bit older, I like still feel really good. Love it. Well, Nick, with that, lastly, anything closing that you haven't shared? Anything exciting coming up with Thrive that everyone should know about? No, I, the only thing to share, you know, one is my gratitude for the partnership we've had with Purely Elizabeth. You guys are just an amazing brand with, you know, incredible values and an amazing product that uh, serves uh, especially our families, you know, out there. And I think that the, you know, the partnership we had since very early in the business is just something I'm really proud of. So thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, there is a lot of new always happening on Thrive. And, uh, you know, more and more of our assortment is exclusive to Thrive. They're Thrive Market branded or partnerships with great third-party brands that are launching things for the first time on Thrive. So encourage, you know, your audience to, to check, check us out. Um, ThriveMarket.com, you know, the app is super simple and, and streamlined. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to bring more people on board. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.